The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. Have their warning, they've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bronze. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Kirby with the ball up towards Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, Birmingham shock Arsenal. Sorry, not sorry. Man City hit Brighton for six and fantastic Reading Edge Leicester. Welcome along, it's Lindsay Hooper here and I'm joined this week by broadcaster and former Leeds United player Lucy Ward as well as BBC Women's Sports reporter Joe Curry. Happy New Year to both of you. I think we can just about still get away with saying that. How are you both? Starting with Lucy. Yeah, good, thank you. It's uh, Yeah, it's good to, good to be here. And Joe, how are you? Yeah, um, well, I'm just happy that the season's back. It was nice to have a little break over Christmas and now raring to go for 2022. And when it turned 2022, did you both have that immediate thought, it's Euro's year? Yes. It's like, yes, thank gosh for that coming this summer. How big a year do you think it can be for women's football, Joe? It's massive. It's huge. A home Euros. We saw those years ago when we last hosted. It did a lot for women's football then, but we didn't quite push on from it. If England win the tournament, it will take the game on massive strides. Even if they don't, I think the fact we're going to see some of the best teams in the world, some of the best players in the world coming to this country... I really hope it it takes the game to the next level. As that tournament as well edges closer and closer, week on week, we'll be able to talk more and more about this. There'll be squad selections. We've got the tournament as well in February. So loads for us to get our chops around this year. Joe, we're going to bring this back to WSL and the opening weekend action for this calendar year. Three and a half week break, which suited some teams really well. We've also got a transfer window that's open. And I know in your role at the BBC, you'll be all across that. So what has really caught your eye at the moment? For me, I don't think you can look past the Birmingham Arsenal results in the first weekend back. I mean, what a result for Birmingham and fully deserved. And I know we'll, we'll come on to it into more detail in a moment. But, you know, I think a few raised eyebrows at Arsenal because before Christmas, you can maybe just say they were getting a bit tired and run up to Christmas. Champions League group stages taking effect. But to have such a long break and come out and look just a bit lacklustre was a massive surprise for me. But Birmingham, God, those players deserve some points, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, the first WSL weekend of 2022, it only had three matches because of COVID postponements. Uh, There was still plenty, though, for us to choose from for our Moments of the WSL with Now, and that's up next. Moments of the Women's Super League with Now. Watch the big moments from the WSL Live with a Now Sports membership. There was, of course, Natasha Dowie's long-range chip for Reading. What an effort that was from her. Lauren Hemp, it was the weekend of chips. She did one too for Manchester City. And David Birmingham toppling Goliath Arsenal. What have you gone for for your moment of the WSL with now, Lucy? Well, mine has to be Libby Smith's first WSL goal. I think that it just set the tone of, of how Birmingham were going to play against Arsenal. It was early on in the game. And I think the game plan that uh, Darren Carter gave to his team I think worked perfectly and I think it just shows that you know a team with players that you would not say are as good as the the squad of of Arsenal if they're organized properly and and they do exactly what the manager wants them to do and it's not all nice as a little bit of you know working hard and making sure you're good out of possession 
but I do think that that, that goal sort of, I, I think that, that mirrors Birmingham and their performance. I'm not going to surprise either of you here by saying that I've gone for the other Birmingham goal. But I think the reason I've gone for Sari, not only was it the close-up of her face, did you see just how yeah. thrilled she was with that goal to score? I think it's what that second goal meant. It gave them some breathing space, didn't it? And I think when they were 1-0 up, we were always thinking, oh, Arsenal are going to get back in this. But when it went 2-0, I just thought they have got a mountain to climb with the way that Birmingham are performing in this one. So I've gone with that. Joe, what's yours? I had a feeling that you two are going to snaffle Birmingham moment, so I probably would have gone there. But instead, I'm going to go for Lauren Hemp's chipped goal. Just the audacity of the player to, to attempt it from there. She's playing with such confidence at the moment. She's so attacking, so free-flowing. She's just a player that I love watching. And she was instrumental in that game. The fact that Man City went ahead so quickly into the second half. Um, I think she, she deserves a moment, as it were. We have got more than a moment with Lauren Hemp coming up later on in the show. She is our guest for this episode, so keep listening there. You've heard our highlights, but which one of those would you pick? Or maybe it's something entirely different. Let us know at Offside Rule Pod and at The Athletic UK on Twitter. Uh, Let's get stuck into all the action then. You can stream the biggest moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch all the live Sky Sports action from The Hive this Sunday as the season's surprise package Spurs take on West Ham in a salivating London derby. You can watch it all for just $9.99 by grabbing a Now Sports Day membership. And to find out more, search Now Sports or visit nowtv.com. The COVID wrecking ball hit the WSL and once again we had half the matches postponed. This time it was Chelsea v Spurs, Aston Villa against Everton and West Ham v Man United that were called off. You can just detect the last minute scrambles. Certainly I can tell you from a Sky Sports point of view there was plenty of that going on. It means that every WSL team has now had at least a game postponed because of COVID except for Birmingham and Leicester. Birmingham, they'll be pleased that their match went ahead because this is how they played. Here's Libby Smith looking for a first goal for Birmingham City. And Birmingham once again, and Smith's in there too. It's number two for Birmingham City. And that is it, it's all over. Birmingham City have pulled off the shock of the WSL season so far. Never has a team taken New Year resolution quite so literally because they are a new team. New Year, new me, that was Birmingham in this one. Before Christmas, Birmingham lost to bottom of the table Leicester. In the first game back, they then go and win against the leaders Arsenal. So it's three minutes in that we had the Libby Smith goal, scored after an impressive through ball from Lucy Quinn. And via Tricky Sarri made it 2-0 just before half-time. First of all, Lucy, I want to talk about the way that Birmingham approached this game. You've already, you've sort of touched on it already with the game plan. Was there any other option for them but to sort of apply this pressure to the back of Arsenal? Is is that the best way to get at them? Yeah, I, th- I think the way that, that Arsenal set up a little bit different under Jonas Edeval this, this year. And he, he does actually adapt his tactics depending on who, who he's playing against, which I, I, I'm quite impressed with. But they do quite a lot on winning the ball immediately after they lose it. So they get a lot of bodies up the pitch. But Birmingham have obviously watched that. You know, the coaching staff have obviously looked at that and thought, right, well, if we sit quite deep and then we try and hit them on the break, we've got the pace. Obviously, without Williamson in, in the, one of the two centre-back slots, they haven't quite got the pace that, that, that they normally would have. And they actually 
really commit bodies forward. And and I and I think that not many teams have worked Arsenal out yet because they're quite difficult to work out. But I think Birmingham did really, really well at the weekend. How enormous a result was it, Joe, when you take into consideration that this is a team, it was their first win in a year and two months, and it was against the leaders. So you take all of those things into consideration, just how enormous a tag do we put on it? I mean, it had been 805 days since they'd won at home. Those players must have dreaded playing at home because of that. I mean, look, it's huge. It's huge in terms of who stays up this season. They're off the bottom of of the table. I mean, there's a long way to go. And I think it is going to be very scrappy between the likes of them and Leicester and maybe one or two others that can get pulled back into it. But for me, it's all about the mentality and what this can do for the team going forward. So this isn't just the fact that they beat Arsenal, the leaders, which is wonderful. It's about the fact they finally went out there and they won. And those three points are massive in terms of the table. But for me, it's just giving those players some belief because to go out for 10 games beforehand and only pick up one point... It's soul-destroying, but they've come back out after the break and really given it some. You know, what Darren Carter has done with them is he's told them to be fearless, and they were, and they outplayed Arsenal. You know, they were really good value for this win, and these are Arsenal, the the table toppers. So you, you imagine they can't wait to get out and play again next week. Yeah. And after a match like that, the temptation sometimes, I think we see it across all sorts of media, is to try and pick apart what Arsenal did wrong. But we would be doing a real disservice to Birmingham if we did that. So, Lucy, I want to bring up Sari, who got that second goal. She was also player of the match. The interview as well that I managed to do with her afterwards was was really sweet. She spoke about how she'd watched Arsenal growing up and you could tell it was just a surreal moment for her. But she's a real bright spark in this team. And I was also surprised by the amount of traction she got on social media. There are Birmingham fans that have rated her for some time. Yeah, she's a, she's a, a good young player. She was at Sheffield United. I know she went from from there to uh, wanted to be full time, so went to Birmingham, and it, and it was obviously tough for her at the start. I think she'd she'd been injured. Um, obviously, a change of manager that doesn't help when the manager that brought you in is is not the one that's there now. But it's fantastic, and it's good because it the way that they played, and obviously the confidence that the managers instilled in them. It, that it allows players like her to thrive in terms of what her you know what 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 she's good at so she you know she's quick and she can obviously finish and I think that that will help players like her so he's using the players that he's got you know to the best of their ability so he knows that they're not going to outpass Arsenal but they have the players in the team that can hurt them. Her reaction to her goal as well I mean it wasn't you know the um the cleanest goal you're ever going to see but she was first to the ball and the reaction of her and the players it just said it all didn't it and it was just such a lovely moment to see. Do you think then, Joe, that Birmingham are now in the driving seat? This one result means that they are favourites to stay up over Leicester. I think I think they'll probably go on a potentially a decent run from here, but I think it's still way too early to say who who's favourites to go down. I mean, there's one point in it, but I'm looking at it now: Birmingham minus twenty goal difference, Leicester minus nineteen. Both teams have been in horrible form this year, even if their performances haven't always been as bad as maybe the results show. I think that, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough second half of the season for, for both sides. And, you know, Aston Villa on 10 points probably aren't quite out of it either. Everton on 11, you'd expect to see shoot up the table at some point. But, um, 
you know, it's good to see. It's good to see for the for the league that there are battles at top and bottom. It's, it's how it should be. Let's talk about the impact on the title race because this was an Arsenal team that was short on personnel. I could not believe when I looked at the, the subs list, there were four players in the end because they had that late change as well where Frieda Marnham had to come in because there was an injury to Leo Valti in the warm-up. But, you know, that aside, because you look at the quality that Arsenal have got, they really didn't produce much, Lucy, in terms of shots on target here it felt like a lot of players were below par. Is that what you read into it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's been an interesting one with Arsenal. New manager come in. They started the season uh, quite early, really. Uh, players coming back from the Olympics, but they just basically kept going. So at some point, they were going to run out of steam because it's it, it's you know whether it's through injuries, whether it's through COVID, players missing, whatever it is, they would have probably run out of steam at some point. So the worry for for Arsenal is that this doesn't continue. Uh, over the next few games, you know, they've obviously got important players out uh, injured. And I think running out of steam and because early on in the season, they were looking forward to when they played Chelsea again. It wasn't until well after the the new year. It, that gives Chelsea the opportunity to work out how to play against Arsenal. Because I think they were shocked right at the start of the season, as a, quite a few teams were. Um, so they're the two things that could hurt Arsenal, running out of steam and other teams working them out. Yeah, it's a one-off in terms of a league performance, but it's not a one-off for Arsenal at the moment. It's actually their fourth loss in five games in all competitions, Joe. So what should we take from that? My biggest worry was that after Jonas Eideval said the team needs to take this defeat and reset, but because of COVID and because of the natural winter break that falls in women's football, Arsenal hadn't played since December 15th, which is what, three and a half weeks? So if, you're not, if you can't reset during a natural break in the season where you have nearly a month off, it's the only point in the season where you're going to get a month. You know, the players, I imagine some of them travelled home because they have a lot of international players, but this, that was the time to reset. So to come back out against a team who going into the game were bottom and to come out and just look, I was speaking to a fellow journalist who was at the game, I watched it on TV, but I was like, what did you make of Arsenal? And they said they just looked a bit meh. And that probably summed them up a little bit. And to me, that was the worry that they've just come back from a break that's nearly a month long. And they they looked a bit like they were sucked of, of energy. You know, you can look at the results before Christmas. Losing to Barcelona, I don't think at the moment, is is a shameful thing at all. But for me, it was the, the size of the scoreline and the fact that Barca completely outplayed them. For me, Barca probably best team in the world right now. So it gave Arsenal a real understanding of where they were in terms of, you know, potential Champions League winners going forwards. The loss against Hoffenheim was a worry. The manner of the defeat to Chelsea in the FA Cup final was a worry. So, yeah, for me, it's beginning to feel not just like a little one off. This could be a blip that's slightly ongoing and that will be a concern for Arsenal fans. The other thing, Joe, is that the way that they play is really high intensity. So and and they have bodies up the pitch. So if they're not quite at that intensity and a team that they're playing against has a good outlet with pace, you know, a good through, a, a good first ball out past that press, then they'll struggle. You know, they, they've got to all be on it. And as we saw at the start of the season where they were all on it, really high intensity, winning the ball high up the pitch and those forward players were, were thriving, particularly the wide ones and, and the and the fullbacks coming on. So as soon as one part of that's missing, then, then you know, they're obviously going to struggle. Totally. Let's finish on one topic and we shouldn't just point the finger at a single player because there was several players that were below their usual standards in this game for Arsenal. But 
I had someone near me who said, who's that number 11 for Arsenal who hadn't been to, to women's football very often? And uh, I said, that's Viv Miedemar, the best player probably in the league. And the response was, I don't think she's all that. Well, actually watching in that game, she didn't seem quite at it. Since then, Tom Gary has got an exclusive saying that Barcelona and PSG are hoping to sign Miedemar this summer when her contract ends at Arsenal. Do you think that's playing a part here somehow? Well, to be honest, the way that Mida Mar plays and her body language when she's not got the ball has, has never changed. It's always been the same. She always doesn't look particularly interested. And that's obviously not, not, not the case <laughs> at all. She obviously is very interested because she only needs a split second to score the numerous goals that she scores. But she, you know, she, she probably can help her body language. But I think when you've naturally been like that, so I think when Arsenal are struggling, then it, she looks like she's not bothered and that's not the case. And I think that's probably what your friend who was watching watching saw and where we've seen it numerous times where she has just come alive when they've got possession and she's had to do a little bit more work this time, which is why she's been substituted quite a lot in games this season. He's made her work a lot harder than she normally does. Usually they're sort of out of possession with, with 10 players and she is just then alive to when they do win it back. Obviously, against the better teams, that can't work. Everybody's got to work hard, and which is she's doing this this season. But she has got to make the most of her career, in my opinion. So whether that's winning trophies, whether it's wages, whatever it is, I actually expected her to go in the summer. But she obviously looked at the change of manager and thought, "Hang on a minute, I'll see what happens here and see whether we can we can we can win something." But I fully expect her to go somewhere else in in the summer, just simply because it's a it's a short career and and she's given a lot to Arsenal over the last few years. She's scored, you know, millions of goals and she's she's one of the best players in the world. Let's move on to our next match then: Brighton nil, Man City six. Another team making their 2022 entrance with a bang was City. So it was nil-nil at half time, which I found incredible when I watched this back. But 10 minutes into the second half, City were four goals up. They scored two more later for good measure. It was one of those where the floodgates open. Six goals, six goal scorers, which is also pleasing for Taylor. So he got Hemp on the score sheet, Stamway, Coombs, Rasso, Lasada, and then there was an own goal from Brighton's Victoria Williams. What do you think was the most pleasing part of this performance, Joe. This was the Manchester City, I wouldn't say quite of old, but the kind of Manchester City we expect to turn up. They've looked a bit at sixes and sevens for me this season. They've looked a bit out of sorts, whereas in the past, particularly under the likes of Nick Cushing, they always looked like they knew what they were doing. And under Gareth Taylor, he's had an awful lot of injuries. That's well documented. But maybe it's the, the change of personnel week in, week out. You know, we've seen this makeshift back four that just hasn't delivered, understandably. It, it was just a, a team that looked far more connected and had a bit more belief. You know, first half, they, they played well. Second half, they put they finally put their foot to the, to the floor and showed what they could really do. I mean, to be fair, Brighton fell apart very, very quickly. Um, they were shell-shocked. But... Man City, it's the most encouraging performance. I mean, before Christmas, they were were beginning to turn things around, but this is the most encouraging performance I've seen from them in quite a while. Is it no coincidence, Lucy, that Steph Horton and Lucy Bronze are back and then they're playing in this style that Joe says that we're used to seeing? Yeah, I think it's all about what Joe was saying about the relationships on the pitch that, you know, when Jill Scott's got to play centre-back, you know, and she did that quite a few times. And and then the, there's other centre-backs on the bench that probably could have played, you know, decisions. So it's not all just about the injuries that Gareth Taylor had. Some of the decisions have 
a bit strange. Some of the mistakes, you know, obviously the goalkeeper has, has struggled, but he's got nobody to replace her with and take her out of the firing line, which you would you would normally do with a, with a goalkeeper. And I felt a bit sorry for her at times, to be honest, because he hasn't really got a player that's that's experienced enough to to to, to replace Tay with. So I think that hasn't helped. So then the back four are worried about what's going on behind them because she's sort of gone through a crisis of confidence. But but I think against Brighton, I think just the presence of the likes of of Lucy Bronze and and Steph Horton makes a difference. This I, I did the co-coms for the game. You know they they passed the ball really well, high intensity right from the start. Brighton took about ten minutes to get going in the first half and then defended actually quite well. You know they did the the denied space in behind stopped stopped Man City doing what they did in the second half. And for some reason Brighton came out in the second half with a higher line, which is fair enough. But if you play a higher line, you got to have pressure on the ball and that's not what they did. So it was just easy for City to knock the ball over. And Lauren Hemp is just, for me, probably the the, the best young player at the moment that, that England... She's absolutely incredible, not just what, what she's capable of doing with a, with a football, but her mentality. She, she has not hid in all the time where City have struggled. I think she's been Gareth Taylor's get-out-of-jail-free card, to, to be honest, as, as the season's gone on. I'm so pleased that you're putting plaudits on Lauren Hemp because we have her on the show and she's coming up in a moment. <laughs> Just a final one for both of you. I'll start with you, Lucy, as you were on co-coms because I wondered if I could sense that Gareth Taylor was loosening his grip on this philosophy that he'd got at City of persisting with playing a certain way because you mentioned it yourself just in a bit of the analysis you did. There were balls over the top. I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, I, I have this conversation all the time and recently at the weekend of... of teams that insist on playing out from the back when either it's not on or you've not got the players to do it. So in the past, the makeshift back four that City had, the last thing they want to do is receive the ball from a goalkeeper and then have the the, the press on them. And that's where they've struggled at times, you know. And, and I think against Brighton, they played a little bit further up the pitch. They did pass, 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 but then they looked longer. And then as soon as they recognised that Brighton were playing a high line and there's no pressure on the ball, they just used it. Now, whether that's how he's approached it with them or whether now you've got getting experienced players back and they just think, right, okay, this is how we're going to do it because we know with the pace of hemp, we know with the pace of Razo on the other t- other side. I don't know, but they mixed it up and like you said, Lindsay, it, it did work. And for you, Joe, one on Brighton, they've lost five games in a row now in all competitions. What do you think has derailed somewhat from the Brighton we were witnessing? It's a strange one, isn't it? It wasn't that long ago. They were looking up the table at potentially, you know, European football. They were pushing towards that that top three. Now they find themselves mid-table. I think they've in the past have done better against the better teams in this league. And that's why the the, the scoreline at the weekend surprised me. We, we know they're keen to get players in, but so are every club. I think it's just maybe taking a moment, a bit like Arsenal, this whole we need to reset and just sort of say, look, we, we've started the season so well, we need to get out of this blip, we need to get out of it quickly because, you know, mid-table is not a bad result for Brighton, but, um, you know, they've been in the league a couple of seasons, they've got a very experienced manager, they, they should be looking up, up the league, certainly. Well, from the sounds of it from our Lauren Hemp chat, it sounds like you'd be with Gareth Taylor when he was on the sidelines going, get it to Lauren. You'd be screaming (laughs) that too. Uh, She certainly was instrumental in that win, constantly asking questions of defenders. And I spoke to her earlier. Lauren, a very happy new year from the Athletic Women's Football Show. How has it started for you, apart from the obvious, with that brilliant result at the weekend? 
Yes, yeah, started really well. Obviously, I've signed a new contract with City as well. So great start to the new year and obviously a great result at the weekend. So hopefully starting the new year as we want to push on throughout the season. You bought that contract up straight away. So we'll get into it. Two-year deal. The sort of terms that obviously you wanted and it was a no-brainer. You straight away wanted to stay. There weren't other offers on the table or anything like that that you had to think about. I think there was a few people that were interested, but like I said in some previous interviews, it was always going to be City and it's a club where I've grown and developed over the last few years that I've been here and I still know there's so much for me to show and to to improve on and I know that I'm going to get that being at this club and being surrounded by so many fantastic players and coaches and yeah, I think this is the best place for me to be at this time in my development and I'm really excited for the next few years. Watching the game against Brighton, I don't know whether you could hear this, but it was very audible on the sidelines when you watch it back. You can hear Gareth Taylor screaming at times, get it to Lauren. (laughs) Can you hear that? And what does that do for your confidence? Is it a pressure versus being entrusted thing for you? Yeah, I think sometimes I, I do hear it, but a lot of the time I just try and block out the noise and sort of focus on myself. But I think like I do feel pressure and, and sometimes I get that and I, a lot of the time I try and hide my nerves and like as every player does you do get nervous going into games and playing games but I think once I think about what I know and what I'm good at and then just sort of concentrate on myself during the game it, it then makes it easier for me and like I like having that pressure put on me because it means people are expecting a lot of me which is nice and yeah I just want to continue to be pushed uh, and have that pressure on me because it'll only make me get better. I suppose when it comes to hiding the pressure, it helps when you have big players returning to the team. And I wondered how much that has helped you having Steph Horton and Lucy Bronze back in the squad. Yeah, it's definitely a a big boost for the team. Obviously, you can see how much we have missed uh, Steph, Lucy, obviously a lot of the girls who are still injured as well this season and, and it's great to have them back and it definitely gave us a bit of a confidence boost and I think people might have seen that at the weekend, having them people back in the squad, big characters who like, I look up to as role models and, and have done ever since I was younger and having them back in the squad, it, it definitely get, give the team a boost and yeah, it definitely helped get that win because you see that everyone contributes in their own way and and definitely the girls that came back done that as well. Coming on to the goals, um, off your own back, do you watch back everyone's goals from the WSL? Yeah, I always watch the women's football show and I always see the highlights of all the different games. Like it's, it's nice to see that and see the women's game developing as it has done. I mean, years ago, you probably wouldn't see a women's football show with all the highlights. So it's great that you have that accessible to everyone. And yeah, I always keep updated on all the different scores and, and how they're how they're doing. But obviously, you always concentrate on your own game first and foremost. But it's nice to see what other clubs are doing and how it affects the table and things like that. You had a chip of your own, but I, you know where I'm going. Did you see the chip from Natasha Dowie? What do you think of that? Yeah, I did see that. It was a great goal. I think there's a lot of good goals scored in the WSL. Another one, Laura Coombs, she scored from quite far out as well. That was a rocket. So, yeah, I, I always applaud goals like that, really. Is it one of the first things that you do as an attacker? Are you thinking, is the keeper off the line? Is that one of the first things? Or, or sometimes is it just an opportunity that presents itself as you're playing? Yeah, I think I think 
at the time I was obviously running in behind off a fantastic ball by Alex Greenwood and I seen the goalkeeper start to come out but then she changed her mind and started to backtrack and I thought there was my opportunity to try and chip her because she was so far off her line and that was the same for Coombsy's goal she was off her line for that one as well so I think it is something it is something you do check for when you're running in behind and the ball's like at that point where you're like, is the keeper going to come to get it or is she not? And yeah, it sort of made my decision then easier. I think knowing that the keeper was off her line that I could just try and chip it over and it managed to pay off. Is there a tiny bit of your brain that sometimes thinks, oh, you know what? I've got to keep an eye out for a goal of the season opportunity. <laughs> to be honest, I normally keep that one for Kaz. <laughs> She's always <laughs> up for those Piscus Awards, isn't she? But She is, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, any goal for me, like, I'm pleased with, to be honest, as long as it goes in. But yeah, I don't really often score spectacular goals, but I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> what what you do do is you give consistent performances, Lauren. And I think that's one of the things that's got you the most plaudits. I know that Kelly Smith's been quite outspoken. I've heard what she's had to say about you and other players that have played in the league before. How do you keep that consistency going? Is that just by playing week in, week out and doing good training? Or is there something else that you're working on behind the scenes? I think consistency is something that I've tried to have in my game for a while. And it's something that I've been trying to improve each season. And I know I'm capable of scoring goals, doing assists, but it's having that consistently consistency to do it every week. And that's what I've been striving for. And it's something that I've been working on with my coaches and and players around me to try and put that in every single week. So it's one of the targets that I've got for this season is to see how many I can get in each game, whether that's an assist or a goal. And yeah, I hope to continue that with that throughout the season. But obviously it's hard, like some every game is different and you never know what you're going to come up against. But I've been working hard on that in training and like trying to improve. So it's something that hopefully I'll be able to continue to do but it's it's a big thing that I've been trying to push this season is to be consistent and it's obviously nice to have plaudits from legends in the game and it's always nice to hear but like I said every game I always go into it with with like a fresh plate whatever you call it and yeah just try and do it every single week. When I was at St Andrews for the, the Birmingham Arsenal game, I quickly looked at the table because despite Man City's start to the season, that win against Brighton, I couldn't believe how much you're suddenly right in it again. And it is that that renewed belief for 2022 now and a second good half could really equal maybe even Champions League. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what you've seen over the, over the seasons is that the league is always changing and you see some shock results like you did the other day, like you didn't necessarily expect Birmingham to beat Arsenal, but it was a fantastic performance by Birmingham. And I think there's many upsets in the WSL and I think there are going to continue to be many upsets as well. So for us, we've always got to stay focused and it's always about the next game. And it's important for us to make sure we try and win every single game now until the end of the season. And like you never know what's going to happen with all the other games, but like the main thing is to concentrate on ourselves. But like you, like you've seen, like anything can happen. I'm sure part of that will be us seeing some more of those weaving runs that you do in from the flank. How long have you been able to do that? Where did that come from? Because you you really do have the top ability when it comes to shrugging off players, but also running with the ball. Yeah, um, I'm not really sure what it comes from. To be honest, like I've 
done it ever since I was younger. Like that's something that I really love doing. I enjoy taking players on and, and trying to beat them. And yeah, I think it's one of the strengths in my game at the moment. And I think it's important to try and make your strengths better. And you're only going to do that by keep practicing it. And it's something that has come off a lot of the times, but also people might not necessarily see the times that it don't come off. Like it's something that you've always got to keep improving. And I think like, I've, I've done it ever since I was younger. And yeah, it's, it's one of the strengths in my game and people around me always encourage me to do it, to take players on and people look to me to get assists and get goals. And yes, yeah, it's, it's something that I continue to do. And that's the part of the game that I love doing. Within these two years that you've signed on for, what would you like to achieve with City? Trophies, definitely. Champions League and the league is something that I've not done yet and would love to do. And there's obviously a lot of people at City, well, We've never won Champions League before, so it's it's something that we've definitely got our eyes on. And yeah, in the next two years, it, it's something that I know we're capable of. If not, I want to sign for this club. I know we can win trophies and it's something that I want to achieve in the next two years. So yeah, definitely team success is at the top of my list. Give me your thoughts on the next couple of games then. So Conti Cup, you've got Leicester City, mm-hmm. Villa as well in WSL at the weekend. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be a couple of tough tests. Obviously, we've come up against both in the WSL so far, so it's exciting. There, obviously, it's three games in a week, so it's it's going to be hard for us all. But we're going to prepare in the best way, and, and we have done since coming off of the back of the win at the weekend. So we're all going to be ready, and we know that it's going to be important to get two wins out of the next couple of games to help us push on and, and prove to people why why we're going to be up there at the end of the season, hopefully. I'll finish, Lauren, by asking you about the Euros, because when it turned 2022, immediately a lot of the the women's football fraternity were thinking, this is it. It's the Euros year. Is that what it was like for you? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really exciting. We've got an exciting few years coming up for England. And I, I mean, it's something that every girl dreams of to be picked for their country at a Euros. And it's something that I'd love to do. So hopefully having a great season at City and it would also give the girls a confidence boost then going into the Euros. So yeah, I'd love to get picked for that. And it's really exciting. And also there's obviously a great tournament at the end of February as well. That's exciting as well. So yeah, I can't wait for this year. It's got potential to be a very big year for you. Um, Mm And thanks very much for your time, Lauren. Oh, thank you very much. Nice to speak to you. That was me speaking to Manchester City's Lauren Hemp. Now on to our last game of the weekend to dissect. Reading against Leicester City, just the one goal in this one. When Natasha Dowie, both of you, spoke to us on the podcast in November, she said that she knew the goals would come with Reading and she was right. This was an announce yourself goal, wasn't it? If there was going to be one, pretty much jaw-dropping from her. Long range lob. There was nothing that the goalkeeper could do. She'd come so far off a line. So Leicester City beaten 1-0 to go six consecutive games unbeaten for Reading now in the WSL and you were talking about Brighton and the way that they've gone off Joe I mean Reading are now really on a on a different trajectory Dowie also had a penalty saved we should mention that by Demi Lamborn after she was tripped in the box by Abby McManus do you see this as an, an opportunity missed for Leicester when it comes to relegation here going up against Reading in this one on the same day that that Birmingham pulled off the result they did 
I always think that Kelly Chambers is is always sort of undervalued because year on year she delivers mid-table finishes, which in this league, when you are not attached to a Premier League club, is an amazing feat. You know, she she's managed to sign top international players over the years, Farrah Williams being one of them. So to see them in sixth and again, maybe looking up the table to start challenging the likes of Manchester City, Manchester United, they're all roughly on the same points. It's fantastic to see. For Leicester, every game is going to count. When you've got a Birmingham side beating top of the table and now full of confidence, the games against the likes of Reading are the ones where you need to be picking up just even a point. A point here and there will be what saves them. It doesn't have to be wins week on week. A point here and there will be what saves them. And they will shortly find themselves running out of games. But for Reading, it wasn't an all singing or dancing performance. It wasn't a 6-0. It wasn't a beating top of the table. But this is what they can do. And once they get into their stride in most seasons, this is what they grind out week in, week out. And, you know, Tash Dowie, she's still got it, hasn't she? She's still <laughs> she got it. She has. She has. I've seen somewhere as well. It's Kelly Chambers' birthday. I'm pretty convinced today. So happy birthday to Kelly as we're recording this. Did you see many positives from the Leicester performance in this one, Joe? I mean, they don't they don't play horrifically badly, as the table might suggest, but it's just not quite coming together. It's just not quite cohesive enough for me. There is experience in that squad. You know, they, they brought in players with, with quite a bit of WSL experience, which is why I'm surprised that they have just three points from 11 games. All is not lost. All it takes, as I said, is, is a couple of points here and there. There aren't going to be, you know, many points in it at the bottom. But for me, it's that mentality thing as well. When you go long periods without wins, it's, it's having a manager that can pick players up and get them to go again and have a bit of belief, which is where, you know, Carter at the weekend absolutely delivered with Birmingham. He gave them belief and, and that is invaluable. I think the other thing is you have to sometimes, as a manager, sacrifice your beliefs. You know, Leicester, nobody will remember them playing nice football if they get relegated. <laughs> it will be an absolute disaster for them with the amount of money they've put into it. So you have to sacrifice your belief. You've got to put your FA coaching books away and think, right, how do we get points in each game that we, you know, if it means that we don't, it doesn't look very good, it doesn't matter because nobody's bothered at Reading that, that it might not have looked very good that they did, but they've got three points against Leicester. And I think that sort of mentality is the mentality that's missing in the women's game. It's a little bit too nice. It's a little bit too well, my FA coaching badge says I've got to play out from the back. I've got to do that. And you don't, you've got to play winning football. And, and the WSL is now at the level where, you, you 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 know, to stay in it, you've got to win. And if that means that Leicester just sacrifice their beliefs for a bit to get the points and get themselves, you know, away from the bottom, then that's what they've got to do. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a third off a subscription right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with me, Lindsay Hooper, Lucy Ward and Joe Curry. In other news then, Championship side Coventry United, they've had 10 points deducted for announcing on December the 23rd, just before Christmas, might I add, that they would enter voluntary liquidation. But the club looks set to be saved by Lewis Taylor, who's the chief executive of utility company Energy Angels. Taylor has said that he plans to challenge the 10-point deduction. What have you both made of this situation with Coventry United? United at the minute? Heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking, not just in, in terms of where the players were left for it, for it to happen. So close to Christmas is awful to see. You know, these are players, some of which have given up permanent full-time jobs to go and try and be 
professional, semi-professional footballers um, and to be given, you know, one week's notice, I think is is absolutely appalling. On the 10-point deduction, I mean, the FA is sticking to the rules. It wasn't quite the same situation with Yeovil, but it's a very similar situation with Yeovil and they had their points deducted. So there has to be some continuity with the rules at the same time. Do we need to look at those rules and say, how does this 10-point deduction actually help anyone? Um, Especially in a league, Joe, with 12 teams. Quite, exactly. It's, um, it doesn't, I get why the FA have done it and it'll be interesting to see how the appeal process goes. For me, if you're going to do it to one team one season, you've got to do it to the next another season. But who does those 10-point those deduction? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't benefit the game. It doesn't benefit the league for me. Do you think, Lucy, that the points should still be docked if they don't actually enter voluntary liquidation? Yeah, I think I think they should have points docked. So it's a deterrent to to, to other owners. I, I I come from a different angle. Yes, it's it, it it was horrendous how it was done. But I think as a player, if I was a player and I was part time and Coventry approached me coming out of nowhere and saying, "Oh, you know, you're going to be full time next year," I think I'd have been a little question. If something's too good to be true, sometimes quite a lot often than it is to you know it 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 hasn't worked out that way and as a as a player I'd have thought well how on earth are you going to sustain this and it shows how vulnerable women's football is that it's the 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 whim of a, an owner who either becomes bored or thinks well why are Coventry not top of the league because I've spent this amount of money on these full-time players the better players in the championship who've moved from from other clubs mm. um and were desperate to be full-time and I don't blame the, these players desperate to be full time but I would have questioned as a player hang on a minute what if this what if they just decide to just take this money away and I think that shows how vulnerable women's football is so I I completely understand how the players are gutted but I would have questioned at the start how this could be sustained you know what what will happen if we don't win promotion in the first year all these questions to, to, to be asked it's, it just goes to show, as Lucy says, how vulnerable women's football is. There is such a gap between the top teams who are running off multi-million pound budgets to teams at the bottom that can barely stay afloat. And this won't be, sadly, I suspect, the last team we see go through this. Lucy went mm. through it with Leeds United. We've seen it with Notts County, with Lincoln, Yeovil. This will not be the last team Sunderland. that goes through it. Yeah. Sunderland, mm. exactly. The, the list goes on. You know, Birmingham have gone gone close to going out of business a couple of times it's more of a reality check as to where we're at as, as a more sort of general women's football yes the top league is, is mostly full of teams who are joined to premier league teams therefore financially you, you hope that, that, that they're safe going forwards but it's not the case you know even the next the next tier down and that is still where we're at yeah, and I also think there is no excuse for a men's professional club not to have a women's team and put money into it so that they're full time. The, the 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 amount of even in struggling COVID times, there there is no excuse. So these clubs have dropped more money running for the bus. Seriously, they've got so much money <laughs> that they could put, the what, the what bus? Put the what bus? I don't know what bus any is. bus. Any bus, exactly. <laughs> but you, the, there is no excuse for for a team not to, not for a club not to have a full time women's team. And really, in the future, perhaps if if and when the the Premier League take it over from from the FA, that that that, that is part of the funding and it's in it, its ring fence. That's obviously for the future. But you know, the, the Coventry thing, they obviously didn't have. You know, that uh, they just relied on an owner staying interested. That didn't happen. A little bit naive, I think, from some to think that he would that they would stay interested. 
you know, but I've been at Leeds when the, the chairman of Leeds decided that he wasn't interested in women's football anymore with the best, one of the best women's teams in the country to, to be in a regional team now. And it's for a club like Leeds in a, in a, in a one club city, it's absolutely unforgivable mm-hmm. that they don't have a women's team in the, in the WSL. I don't care what anybody says, the owner says about money that we, we're talking a few million, which is somebody who sits on the bench or is not even in the squad's wages per year. So, you, you know, when you're looking at that, that's, you know, we, we end up as at women's football being grateful for everything that we get. And I think sometimes the expectation should be more than that. Still so much to be challenged. Joe. that's your work for the next two, three months sorted there in just that one conversation. <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't, take, that shouldn't take too long. <laughs> no, no, no. Try and sort all that out, will you? Uh, back to the WSL and in the transfer window, I am going to say a humdinger of a name a bit later on. And I can't believe I'm saying it in this transfer window because usually January bit pants, let's face it, can be in, in the men's side as well. But there is a big name coming. But first, uh, let's start with the Scandinavian internationals that have, have been big interest in. Brighton have signed two Swedish players, Emma Kulberg and Julia Zigiotti. Spurs signed Finland's Evelina Summonen, plus Denmark's Emma Snell and Sani Trollsgaard as well, going to West Ham and Reading respectively. Here it is then. Arsenal are hoping to sign Stina Blackstenius, although that's not been confirmed yet. What are your sources, Joe Curry? Sources are that Arsenal are very much leading the charge for Blackstenius. Manchester United, I think, might feel a little aggrieved if they miss out on her. They've tracked her for a long, long time. And there are other clubs interested in the WSL as well. She's a player who basically has her pick of teams. It may come down to how much money they're offering. It may come down to how important trophies are. But I would expect her to be in an Arsenal shirt uh, before the end of January. <gasps> so how exciting is that, Lucy? That is really... I mean, I've I've sort of commentated on, on her from, you know, young uh, under-20s, whatever, World Cups and, and also... And she's, I mean, physically, she's amazing in terms of the position that she plays. But obviously, she's got the experience now of, of, of playing at a good level and... That will be a fantastic sign. Maybe a look to the fact that they may not have Miedemar after the end of this season, perhaps. Put a few more names out there whilst we're at it, because I'm going to move on to the 17th of January. FIFA have announced the best FIFA finalists. Maybe a couple of these could come and join as well at some point. Player of the Year, Alexia Pateas, uh, Jennifer Hermoso and Sam Kerr with a three on the list. Uh, goalkeeper, we've got Anne-Catherine Berger, Christian Endler and Stephanie Labbe. And coach, Luis Cortez. Emma Hayes and Serena Wiegmann. What do you make of that coaching list then, Lucy? Should Bev Priestman be on there? Yeah, you asked the question, what makes a good manager? And the answer is good players. So Emma Hayes should win the WSL because she's got the best budget and the best players. Okay. And you look at the Olympics, the only women's competition, international competition this year and I'm not saying that they've got the worst players, Canada, but they probably didn't have the best select, the best players in the Olympics. And she went and won it. And for me, that is absolute standout as a, as a coach. How she's not in it, she mm-hmm. should win it. Time to have a look at what's coming up. On Wednesday, we've got a postponed Continental Cup match between Leicester and Man City. COVID permitting in the WSL on the weekend, this is what we should be looking at. Arsenal trying to turn things round against Reading. Birmingham are up first against Manchester United. So will they topple another giant in that one? Chelsea and West Ham will be back playing WSL for the first time since the 14th of December. They cannot blame not having enough time 
for preparation in this one. Uh, they face Everton and Spurs respectively. Plus, Villa play Man City and Leicester face Brighton. What are you both looking forward to out of all of those? Well, I, I having done Brighton and Man City at the weekend, I had a conversation with Steph Horton at the end of, of the game about obviously her coming back and and she's just desperate to get minutes on the pitch. And so obviously the, when she came on against Brighton, you know, they were they were already a number of goals up. So it was quite a nice introduction for her. But I think that, uh, you know, sort of her getting a little bit more minutes because I think she gets quite a lot of, I'm quite biased because she was a teammate of mine, but she gets quite a lot of unfair criticism. And I think that you only recognise how useful the player is to your team when you see them without that player. And I think that City have, have, have struggled without her shoring up that back four. So I'm quite interested to see how they then keep going City with the likes of Lucy Bronze and Steph Horton back in the back four. Joe, For me, again, after the weekend, I'm quite interested to see how Reading get on at Arsenal. What a time to play them. What a time to get a result against one of the bigger teams, which Reading don't tend to do. But for Arsenal, it's it's not the perfect game to, to try and get back into the swing of things because Reading won't make it easy. They won't make it pretty. They've got some big tacklers in that squad. They always have done. But for me, I think that one will be a good game of football. And that's what I like to see. And as the Sky game is Tottenham against West Ham, I'm contractually obliged to say I'll be looking forward to that one. Uh, that's all we've got time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Thank you both for your time. So good to see you again. We should point out, shouldn't we, Lucy, that that Joe is blending into her background beautifully yes. on Zoom. I know people listen to this in its audio, but she she could just be a floating head. Yeah, she's camouflaged with a blue. What is that? Look at all those posh. Look how she's positioned herself in front she's of all those. She's got some nice memorabilia there. As <laughs> Unbelievable. Well. Talk us through That's those. What you got behind you? Can Can you tell? I've recently redecorated my office. Um, yes. So I've got. Uh, I've been very fortunate to work at um, Olympic Games over the years. There's a couple of uh, Olympic pictures, and then there is uh, a lionesses shirt signed from the 2019 World <gasps> Cup squad. And wow. Did you spill the yeah, paint uh, on your jumper? <laughs> it does look like that, doesn't it? Um, and then most it people tell me that the wall, the wall colour I've chosen is hideous, apparently. So the fact that my jumper is the same colour says a lot about my Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend's action. Uh, we'll ask everyone as well to get in touch. You can react to any of the things we've discussed in this show at The Athletic UK or at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter. Don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe. We'll speak to you again next time. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with NOW. With a NOW Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.